Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We've got a fun show. We're here in Indianapolis, boots on the ground from Lucas Oil State and really the Indiana Convention Center for the next couple of days before the action begins across the street at the stadium. But a lot of action here as media availability has begun. The quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends met with the media starting 8 a.m. Eastern this morning. Then every coach and general manager in the NFL met the media, including Doug Peterson, including Howie Roseman, who, by the way, is our guest this week on Mr. Relevant. I caught up with Howie Roseman at the top of the show. We talked all about the combine process, some changes here to the schedule, how that's going to impact the scouting department and the, and the coaching staff here this week, and uh, how maybe one of the Eagles coaches had an, 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 some input into some of those changes. So we'll hit on that at the very top with Howie Roseman. After that, pick six. Chris McPherson and I are going to go through six takeaways from the Eagles media session. Yeah, the, we're, we try and cover the full draft. We usually don't do too many Eagles-centric segments here uh, on the Journey to the Draft podcast, but we're going to do that in that segment. Six takeaways from Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson there in pick six. After that, we're going to go to draft buzz. Just some big takeaways. A lot of breaking news here today from the Indian, from the uh, scouting combine covering the NFL draft. Some guys that are not going to work out this week, so we'll cover some of that. And uh, some of the other takeaways and nuggets from the media availability. And after that, we'll answer one of your questions at home in our draft mailbag. Before we get the show started, I just want to give a quick reminder. If you haven't had a chance yet, go on PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash journey survey. Help us out. Just take three, four, five minutes. It's all content-based. All these questions are all trying to help us make this show better. You take that quick survey. People that did it over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, huge, huge help for us moving forward. So if you're able to do that for this show, really appreciate it. If you can't go on PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Journey Survey, you can go on to my Twitter account, at FW3. You can go on to Chris McPherson, Ben Fennell, both of their Twitter pages. You can go on right on your phone to this podcast episode, scroll into the details, and you can see the link to the survey right there as well. So really appreciate anybody that has a couple minutes just to kind of help us out. All right, that being said, let's go now. Let's start the show off. It's time for Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, excited to welcome back to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA, Howie Roseman. Howie, uh, welcome back to Indianapolis. Welcome back to the show. Fran, I know you're as excited as anyone being in Indy right. right now. I yeah. know you're fired up for this week as we are as well. So uh, what are your thoughts? The whole schedule is kind of flopped on its head a little bit. How does that uh, impact you guys uh, moving into this week and uh, just kind of go through some of those changes and how it impacts you guys? Yeah, you know, um, I'm kind of excited about the change. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point in time, you know, my 20th combine, I feel like uh, we got in such a routine, it was almost like Pavlov's dog. Right. Like we were classically conditioned, like this time we were doing this, and at some point maybe we were even just going through the motions. Mm. And, and turning this on its head, um, for me personally, I am excited about it. I'm mm. excited about the change of scenery. I'm, trying, I'm excited about the change of dynamics. I'm excited about the Deuce Staley drill yeah. uh, that we got going on. So uh, I'm excited to be here and really excited about the opportunity to improve our football team. So I wanted to ask you about that. How, how does that happen? Like, he's been working with the backs on the field for a while. So right. is that, like, kind of his end to, like, kind of say, look, this is a drill I want to use? How does that happen? Yeah, it goes through. Um, there's a committee that it goes through, and they ask for um, as – Guys want to see different positions. Guys want to see different drills. And um, he's a legend, man. Sure. He's a legend. We got him in our building. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the interviews at night are now being d- during the day. 
do you feel like that's going to challenge? Are these guys going to be a little bit different as opposed to being at the end of the day where they've gone through a full day's worth of grind? Uh, that will be a little bit different for those guys when they come Yeah, in? no, I think that, that it's it's changed up so their interviews aren't necessarily matched to when they're going out performing. But right. I think for them, it's it, it goes into the game day schedule routine. Mm. You know, they're not used to getting themselves ready to play at 9 in the morning to right. go through this. So now it's like a night game for them, which they've all played. Um, and for us, you know, I know that it, it, it's normal for us that the 1040 interview at night, you're kind of like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> right. You know, I'm ready to go home. I've had a long yeah. day. And so um, I'm very, very excited about the change and to see how it works. What's your favorite part of this week? Um, besides eating a lot? Sure, uh, yeah, the, besides you know, the shrimp I, cocktail. I think, I think just being in one place with everyone in the National Football League and mm. seeing friends. Because a lot of times you see these people and uh, – it's, it's during the game, it's before a game. Uh, you get a chance to catch up with people. You get a chance to uh, think about the innovative ways to improve your football team. It, there, there's so much hope as this starts, you know, and, and as you get to the owners' meetings and maybe see them a little bit more, but you're already part past the first stage of the offseason. So, yeah. you know, everything is kind of uh, on the table at this point, and you start trade discussion, so it's fun. Yeah. Is it a lot of, like, uh, when you catch, is it just catching up, like, hey, how's the family? Is it talking shop? Like, how are those it's interactions? Both. Yeah, it's both. It's both, you yeah. know. Um, there, there's got to be some foreplay. Is that, yeah. is that okay to say foreplay? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah okay. I think so. Foreplay. There's got to be foreplay. <laughs> you can't get right down to it. You know, yeah. you got you to develop the relationships. And so, um, you know, even just on the walk over here, um, saw three or four GMs, including Joe Douglas. Yep. And uh, it's it, everything's the same thing. Let's get together. Let's sure. hang out for a couple minutes. And really, uh, I would say that all of our trades since 2016 have really started with initial conversations sure. here about needs and um, surplus. Yeah, I feel like that's something that fans don't necessarily realize. They think all that stuff happens uh, right when they happen. There's months that kind of lead into that. Yeah, it's much easier to have conversations face-to-face sure. and, and to do things and get creative face-to-face than it is over the phone. So one of those uh, topics I feel like a lot of people have been talking about and buzzing about in the league, out of the league, in the media, like positionless players and the idea of like all these guys have such versatile skill sets now and just the way the game's being played. How do you kind of view that? Like, because it's just a, such an evolving league in that way. Yeah, I love it. And, and we're so fortunate to have, you know, obviously Coach Peterson um, on offense about looking at guys like that mm. and looking at runners who can be split out and play receiver and um, getting receivers the ball in their hands and at the same time defensively with Coach Schwartz and figuring out where the league is going and trying to get out in front of it a little yeah. bit. But it's it's also unique to find some of those guys and, you know, some of the guys that I'm sure is, have been talked about um, probably won't be able to be smelled at 21. Right. So I um, don't want to get too excited about those guys. Sure, no question. And then uh, you mentioned Joe. I wanted to ask you about Andy. What's it been like now over the, almost the last full calendar year uh, working with Andy in his new role? Well, really, it goes back to 16 and hiring Andy and knowing uh, what kind of person he is first and foremost and then how good he is at his job. And um, I think he's done a tremendous job stepping into big shoes, both literally and figuratively, and Joe Douglas. Um, And the relationship Joe and I had was something that was um, very special, you know, and I didn't take for granted. And and now losing Andrew as well. And so uh, Andy... I think is as excited as any of us are about uh, what we can do to try to improve the football team for this year and going forward. And um, can't wait to get started with them. One of the, the last question I want to ask you is a topic I've been talking about with a couple of people you know, since I've been here in Indy. 
lessons learned like as an early evaluator? Are there things that from like your, your early days that you kind of look back and you carry with you as you move forward uh, you know, throughout your career and you say like, without giving away anything too secret obviously, yeah. is there things you kind of look back on? You know, friend, I, I feel like it's so important as you continue to evolve, you well, you got to continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, to me, this is, um, and I hate to use this, but it's kind of on top of my mind. It's a Mamba mentality yeah. of like, how can you get better? Like, right. how can you do whatever you possibly can to improve so that we can go out and win another championship? Mm. And and for that, you have to take an honest look at the things that you've done right, that you've done wrong, um, and the things that you can do different. And um, I'm constantly learning. Yeah. I feel like uh, I'm constantly trying to get better and trying to be the best I possibly can be. And I don't feel like... You know, I've learned everything in the least bit. I feel like I can continue to get better and learn from things. And um, I take that time in May, June, July. um, And really, even if I get a couple of days um, without the kids or if I go with my wife away for a couple of days to try to reflect and figure out things that we can do better. And, And, you know, I promise this to our fans, to our team, to our players, to our coaches. Um, the day that that stops going, it, it, I'm the wrong guy for the job. That's what I had a, a quote in my office at Temple, my old job, where I was, when you're through learning, you're through. And like that, that one, I was always thought was a Coach Golden quote, and I've always like, kind of stuck with me. Love um, it. And yeah, I think that's part of the process that not a lot of people talk about. It's like we're always, you know, whether it's position focused or like just general process, uh, just trying to learn from everything is, is always a, a kind of a good philosophy to have for sure. No doubt. Right. Howie, really appreciate the time here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Talk to you again soon. Best of luck the rest of this week. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, C-Mac, the great stuff there from, uh, from Howie. And, and the thing that we hit on at the very end is something that I find to be very interesting is, like, the, the constant ability to evolve and learn and you know, kind of self-scouting yourself. I try and do it as often as possible. Really good insight there from Howie, just getting a sense of, you know, what he does on a yearly basis to well, try you and have you know, to. self-reflect. You have to. You absolutely have to. It really can go to anyone in any industry. Yeah. Everything's always evolving. I mean, look at you know what we're doing here in Indianapolis with these daily podcasts, like the, the way that the combine is, has been covered over the years has certainly evolved. That's a good point. So, yeah, I mean, we have to, you have to evolve. Yeah, you have to, you have to change. So yeah. I go back to, we were, I was just talking with somebody today about the stuff we used to do from here compared to what we do now. I mean, like, it's, com- it's, completely, it's completely different. Yeah. As everything changes, you're always trying to improve. So uh, great stuff there from Howie. So uh, that'll transition us here now into pick six and six takeaways from the Eagles media session. And uh, C-Mac, I'll, I'll let you kick things off here. What was oh, the big takeaway? So kind of we can go Jeez. either from Doug Peterson, from Howie Roseman as a collective. What was, what was your actually, big takeaway? Here? Actually, before I – a little tangent, if you okay, don't mind. Okay, a little tangent. Yeah, let's hear it. I have to thank you for the gift oh, that you left me. Oh, of course. Okay, so I unfortunately was not able to fly out until early this morning. Yes. So I missed the player media availability, which took place from 8 to 11 this morning. So I didn't get to hear from the quarterbacks and receivers. Fran has more insight into them. But when I arrived at the Novacare Complex, just to grab a few things before I head on to, to the airport – there was a huge binder waiting for me. When he says huge, it was it's, a huge binder. It's, it's really going to be a spectacle if I bring this out during the workout, okay? <laughs> All right, this is one of those ones where you're supposed to put, like, years of medical records kind yeah. of attached to it. You know, it's the... It was the best binder I could find. The, you know, best best binder available, yes, okay? We, exactly. can go, we can go with that one right there. BBA. So, but very thorough, all the... 
the sheets of all the players participating, spaces to take notes, very, very thorough. So Thank I appreciate you. Oh, of course, it. Yes. I do appreciate it very much. So uh, at the end of the week last week, I was like, look, like there's no way I'm going to watch all 330 plus guys that are here. I can either watch another guy or I can spend 90 minutes and put together some things that will help us this week and make our week a little more efficient. That's, that's I, great. I went, I went that route. So thank you for that. Of course. The first item that I will say here for pick six in big takeaways, and this really comes from both Howie and Doug, is that the team has not made a decision as to what to do with Jason Peters. Hmm. Jason Peters is set to become an unrestricted free agent on March 18th when free agency begins. The new league year kicks off. And the Eagles did move up last year in the first round to select Andre Dillard to eventually take over at left tackle. And Dillard played well in spurts yep. when he was thrust into action when Peters was sidelined during the season. He showed the promise that made him worth a first-round selection. However, yeah. the Eagles are not saying we're going to turn the page just yet. Sure. You know, Doug Peterson was asked, do you want – Jason Peters back, and Doug is like, of course, I want I want everyone back. He's a coach, you know, he, he loves all of his guys. He wants to bring back the team that, and Jason Peters played well last season. So uh, the Eagles not coming here with any earth-shattering announcements as to with any of the roster moves that are going to have to come down the line here, but uh, that's a pretty significant one as to what to do with Jason Peters, but certainly the team seems to be open to the idea of him returning at left tackle in 2020. I guess it was the was there a follow-up question there in terms of would he return as the starting left tackle or just return to the team? Like I guess that would be the that's the a next very, question. That was that. that was not phrased. Yeah. The one part that was phrased was that it would be left tackle. Gotcha. It's who's going to be your left tackle. And right. I think okay. the way the way the questions were asked, I will say it may not have been specifically is he coming back as your starting right. left tackle? Exactly. But it was basically who's coming back as your left tackle and it's and they were asked is it going to be basically Jason or Andre? It's one or the other. Right. It's like yes. So I would infer I would take from that that yes, they were talking about who would be the starting, but there's been discussion could he play guard? Could he move sure. around the line? It seems like it's going to be left tackle, and uh, that will be something to watch in the, in the weeks ahead. But basically, I think Howie is saying, look, this is a guy who he believes will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He deserves special deference. You are trying to do the best things to win, especially in, in 2020, and they still think that after the season that he had in 2019 that he can be part of a winning program here this year. Well, uh, to me, my big takeaway was uh, from Howie um, on signing core guys, you know, going into free agency. There's the outlook of this team going into free agency. And he's, he said, look, it's not just for this year. This isn't going in and signing uh, guys on one-year contracts or older who can come in and just make an impact for 2020. Uh, you know, over the last two seasons coming off the Super Bowl, we were looking at our team over the last few years, uh, or over the next few years, we're looking at it differently now. We're looking at not just 2020, but 2021, 2022. So the door is open for going for younger guys who would be a little bit more higher price. And you go back, uh, these guys weren't break the bank contracts, but you go back to Brandon Brooks, you go back to Rodney McLeod in 2016, both those guys, Nigel Bradham, we would put, you would put into, that, uh, into that bucket as Certainly. well as uh, guys that, 
they weren't just one year and done. It was, you know, hey, we want this guy to be here for the next handful of seasons to help us try and win another Super Bowl. Uh, so I thought that that was really cool, just kind of getting some insight, not just into, oh, the, all right, this is the Eagles' plan for 2020 in the spring, but just the team-building process in general and that it's not just, a, okay, this is our, this is our philosophy. It, it's an ever-evolving thing that, uh, you know, looking at where your team is at in terms of, uh, you know, their status in the division and the conference, this is where we're at. This is our window okay, how are we going to attack this now? Because before, you had the quarterback on the rookie contract. Now you have to kind of look at things a little bit differently. That changes your philosophy and how you're building the team. But I guess this kind of segues to my next point here, here in pick six, is that last year specifically, Harry Roseman said they did not want to go big in the free agency market because they knew they were going to have some big contracts that were coming off their books and the players who were going to be signed to big deals by other teams, and they wanted to get those compensatory picks in 2020. I look at guys like Nick Foles, like Jordan Hicks, like Golden Tate even. Those guys signed with other teams, and now the Eagles, it's not officially been announced as we're recording this podcast, but right. it's expected in the days ahead here as we're at the NFL Scouting Combine that the Eagles will end up with 10 total draft picks thanks to those compensatory selections. Including an extra third-round pick. Yeah, including an extra third-round pick, which will be so huge because the Eagles have had five picks in each of the last two years. A lot of that was due to the Carson Wentz trade, but you got your quarterback. Yep. You are set with a quarterback who's playing at a high level, who's in the prime of his career. Now it's getting some of those supporting pieces to help help him out. And you do need some guys on rookie contracts. That's the thing is you had an older team. You had a veteran-laden team where you have the quarterback on the rookie contract. Okay, you can have some of those older contracts. Howie Roseman said at the end of the season, this team needs to get younger. Mm. Okay, they need to shed some age in the locker room. So to do that, you're going to need to bring in some young players, and they need to have and they need to do well with these ten draft picks. So, yeah, so, so my second point here was basically that the need to infuse youth and knowing that look, it was worth it to get the quarterback. They won a Super Bowl in that in that window. So they did everything right. They've locked up the quarterback, which is huge considering. You got the new CBA that potentially could be done, the impending contracts of some players coming down the line, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, yep. guys who are due to get huge deals. They got Carson Wentz locked up. They have their guy. But now it's to get some young pieces to build and grow around them. Yeah, I think that that is a, uh, such an interesting part of the, the team-building process. And when you, when you say, all right, look, we're going into the spring. We've got 10 picks. Do all ten of those picks turn into draft choices? Do you tra- you know they look at Hassan Ridgeway last year was yeah they only had five picks but they traded that seventh round pick for Hassan Ridgeway who Certainly. became a, a third or fourth defensive tackle for them and you say that's worth a seventh round pick yeah, yeah. I, I like that so uh, it's good look there are lots of different ways that you can try and build your roster in which again nice segue into my next okay. point here uh, where how we talk about, look you're not going to force them both guys really talk about you know you don't feel the need to force the issue at wide receiver. And I think, number one, this goes back to something they've done really well over the course of the last few seasons is by the time they get to April, by the time they get to the draft, they can line up and play a game tomorrow. You know, when I said tomorrow as in like a few yes. months from now. But with who you have on your roster, you're not going into the weekend like the Houston Texans were a year ago where everyone and their mother knew Texans need a left tackle. Andre Dillard's found out they're going to take Andre Dillard unless we move up. You don't want to be that predictable if you're the Eagles. So, uh, you know, you go in and you say, look, we're not going to force the issue, whether it's in free agency or whether it's the draft. 
We're going to go through and we're going to, we're going to take these guys as they come. Uh, and I think that, you know, Howie Roseman brought up uh, 2017 at the running back position. You know, you go out, you acquire Jay Ajayi via trade. You go and you sign Corey Clement as an undrafted free agent. You uh, acquire LeGarrette Blunt as a, after June 1st uh, free agent signing. So all these guys were addressed or acquired in different ways. It wasn't just up oh, first-round pick or high high-priced free agent signing. Uh, they're not going to just sign someone just for the sake of signing them because that's a position that they quote unquote need. I was going to say I was going to try to nimbly go into my final point here <laughs> in pick six. Right. The only thing that I guess would be a comparison is the fact that uh, we're looking at the personnel staff. Yeah. Okay. So the Eagles have lost two high-level personnel executives to GM jobs in pretty much the last eight, nine months or so. You go back to Joe Douglas, which was post-draft, pretty yep. late in the process last year, and then recently Andrew Barry went to become the general manager sure. of the Cleveland Browns. So Howie Roseman said that they're not going to fill Andrew Barry's role. Instead, they're going to spread out some of the responsibilities to kind of develop some of the leaders that they have within the personnel ranks. But he did talk about bringing on guys like Connor Barwin and Brent Selleck and Darren Sproles. Uh, Connor Barwin is going to be the special assistant to Howie Roseman. Selleck and Sproles are going to be consultants on a, on a personnel side, but they are here in Indianapolis. And are both guys, both Darren Sproles and so Brent Sproles Selleck, are here? Yes. So oh, they, nice. Yes. So the big thing is going to be not only can they help, you know, lend an eye with that player expertise. But these are guys who were trusted veteran leaders in the locker room. They know the right way to play the game. They know the right way to prepare. That's something that they can help the young guys and bringing them along. Because if you're going to have a younger locker room, you're going to lose some veteran experience. Yep. Okay. So if you need to make up for that, a great way to do it is by having guys in the building who have been there in their shoes and understand what they're going through to help guide them along in the process. So, And Howie actually said – talking about Connor Barwin specifically, when they came back from the Senior Bowl, Andy Weidel, who's now Howie's right-hand man, was just praising Connor for his work ethic, saying that he and Brent, they just, they fit in, they fit into the culture mm. of the personnel department. They're just, you know, putting their nose to the grind in terms of learning the business, learning the craft, understanding what it takes to do that. It's not something where they're just you know, it's not a showy title and there's no real responsibility. These guys are trying to learn the ins and outs of the profession and helping the Eagles along the way. And when you're talking about additions to the building, additions to the staff, um, you know, Doug Peterson talked on the additions to the coaching staff. Dang and it, so, how did you get to uh, I got there. Uh, I got to my final point. Doug talked about, um, you know, he talked about uh, Rich, Rich Gangarello. He talked about Aaron Moorhead. He talked about guys on both sides of the ball um, and what they're going to bring to this Eagles team. I thought there were a lot of really cool nuggets in there. I will say he mm -hmm. goes a little bit deeper on all these guys over on the Eagles Insider podcast this oh, week yes. with, with uh, Dave Spadaro. So you want to make sure you're going to subscribe to that. You can listen to these press conferences, by the way, over on the uh, on our other podcast channel, On the Record. So you can go, if you're subscribed to that, you can go and listen back to both of these press conferences. But, uh, no, Doug talked about uh, Rich Gangarello. He talked about Aaron Moorhead. He talked about really all those guys, Andrew Briner, um, you know, Mark Juan Manuel. So yep. uh, all the additions to the staff, the guys that got promoted, he talked about Press Taylor and you know why he felt the need to, to give Press a little bit of a bump and uh, have him be a little bit more involved with the week-to-week -week game plan. I think a lot of people don't necessarily – uh, understand what the process is in terms of building a game plan. What goes into that? Um, you know, just because a coach was already on staff doesn't mean that you know he was heavily involved in all facets. So, 
Doug obviously saw, hey, look, this is an opportunity. Let's give Press Taylor the, that ability to jump into this new role, have you know his fingers involved a little bit more in all facets of the weekly game plan. Uh, so it'll be it'll be fun to see, fun to watch. Uh, Press is a, a really bright young young coach, really really excited. They, for they know that he is a a coaching star in the making. Yeah, and they want to give him every opportunity to be able to flourish here. So yeah. it's it's a congratulations to him and. You know, so it'd be great to see what he can do with an expanded role here. And he's still involved. That's the thing is, he's still the quarterbacks coach. So it's not like he's taking, being taken away from Carson Wentz sure. and that great rapport that they've built over the last couple of seasons. So he's still going to be working in the quarterbacks room. He'll just have a heavier hand in the game plan. All right, well, let's, uh, let's put a ribbon on this segment for all the non-Eagles fans that are listening. There we go. Uh, that's, that's our Eagles talk for the, for the rest of this segment. Now we're going to transition to the next part of the show. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, C-Max, so we saw a couple of different headlines here this week for the first day of media availability here on Tuesday from the Indiana or in, in, is the Indiana Convention Center? Indiana Convention, Indiana Convention not the Center. Indianapolis Convention Center. Uh, the Indiana Convention Center. Uh, first, I want to hit on some news uh, for guys that are working out this week. So uh, we got word that Penn State wide receiver KJ Hamler, who um, I will say for my wide receiver for my cheat sheet for this week, uh, he was going to be my workout warrior. I'm going to have to go and make some edits to that bad boy before it gets uh, published on Thursday morning. Uh, he will not work out. Uh, my he was my my pick to rip up all drills in the combine. Um, so I'll have to make some. Adjustments. There, That's but what I was doing. I was editing down the flight. Yeah, so, no, I got to make some adjustments on that one, so I'll send that over to you. Uh, so KJ Hamler will not work out due to a hamstring injury. He tweaked that uh, during uh, training. Brian Edwards put out on social media yesterday, the wide receiver from South Carolina, talented kid, big-bodied kid, uh, pretty good route runner, broke his foot during training. So uh, I talked to him today. I asked him, what's the what's that rehab look like? And it was about 12 weeks or so. So mm. uh, you're talking a little bit later down the line here uh, until he's ready to go. Uh, Chase Young made the decision that he will not work out. He's not doing anything on the field here uh, from Indianapolis. Javon Kinlaw staying along the defensive line. Knee issue will not work out. So um, this was a, he pulled out of the senior bowl practice a little bit late due to, I yeah. think it was a He due started to the, the week of practices, was dominant. Was, yep. And a lot and of people figured, left. all right, he's just, you know, he's, yeah. he's done he enough. His, he yeah, made his money. He made his money. Uh, but he will not work out here in Indy. And then Grant Delpit, the talented safety from LSU, will also not work out due to an injury. So a uh, handful of guys that we'll see not, not take part in the on-field stuff. Look, not the most important part, as we've detailed over the last couple of weeks. The on-field stuff, it's important. It's got a role, obviously. But uh, the medical, super, super important. The interviews, super, super of important course. for those guys. They will be the, the big parts of their visit here to Indy. But uh, a little disappointing from our standpoint from a selfish standpoint that we won't get to see these guys work out. Hamler I wanted to see fly. Yeah. Wanted to see him fly on the track. Certainly disappointing to see. And really the question with him is not the speed, it was going to be the gauntlet. So that was no, going to no be question. That's the that's thing that point. I think really that you know we talked about what do we want to see. And if you go back to last week's show or combine preview show with Ben Fennel, we basically yep. went through every position group and said, all right, give us a guy and what he needs to prove. Well KJ Hamler came up as with the hands in the gauntlet. That's what you wanted to see. So we won't get to see it. Maybe we'll get to see his pro day, but even then, you probably won't really get to see. They don't do the gauntlet. They don't do the gauntlet there. there so, yeah. so, you know, just have to go off the tape. Just have to go off the tape. Uh, well, one guy who is going to work out and is hoping to post uh, some eye-popping numbers. Henry Ruggs uh, said today that he is hoping to break John Ross's record of 4-2-2 in the 40-yard dash. Uh, I mean, if you believe the spring timing numbers from last year, he's done it in the past. Um, 
It's a little bit of a different story when you get out here to Indy, and it's uh, on the uh, on the gun here. But uh, no, he, I mean he's look, he's a guy that can fly. So if anyone can do it, I'm, I'm sure he's one of those guys that can. If I know a lot of Eagles fans want him. Yep. A lot of people. He was mocked to a lot of the Eagles in a lot of mock drafts early in the process. So he goes four two flat. It's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's. The <laughs> Basically I think, I, can, I, think I can accept that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's going to be a tough there. one. Um, no, that's, that was one of the big statements, I guess, com- uh, coming out of today's media session. Um, look, the uh, player media, it's interesting. I think we've talked about this years past, how this process from the – I mean, look, the combine has changed a lot over the last few years. Mm-hmm. You certainly can speak to that because you've been coming here for so long. Uh, even since I've been coming, my first one was 2013, um, where I was here in attendance for Indy. It's changed so much. And one of the things that's changed from our standpoint, from a media standpoint, is that it used to be that we would come into the media room, you know, 9, 9.30, and be here till 5, 5.30, and players would just trickle in throughout the day, slow and steady, two or three guys at a time, over the course of eight, nine hours. Now those guys all come in within a three-hour span at 15-minute chunks of the time, half-hour chunks of the time, and you've got to get – it's fast. You can't uh, you know, spend a ton of time with all these guys or you're going to miss out on a bunch. So one of the things I t- typically try and do is, all right, I'm going to go in and I'm going to try and ask rapid-fire two or three questions that I, I want to get some answers to uh, for most guys and try and get as many of those as I can. So one of the things I like asking is, Hey, who's the toughest guy? Not the most talented, not the most explosive, not the most ta- you know uh, the biggest playmaker. Who was the toughest guy you faced in uh, in a game this year? Want to see if there's some carryover? Is there like are there guys that show up multiple times? Two players were answered like three, four, five times. No, mind you, we were talking to you were talking with quarterbacks, quarterbacks, wide receivers, wide receivers, and, and tight ends. ends. Bradley and I, the pass rusher from Utah, a bunch of tight ends brought him up. Um, you know, talked about you know just how uh, violent he was and how technically sound he was. High motor, never stops coming. Uh, so uh, Bradley and I came up a number of times. The one interesting one was C.J. Henderson. Oh, all right. So uh, the talented corner from Florida, big big fan of the way he played. I mean, he is so toolsy. He's long. He's explosive. He's fluid. Great change of direction. Uh, all of the athletic traits you want at that size, especially. Uh, really really impressive player. Everybody in the, in the media knocks him for run defense and toughness. Can, you know, can he play on the pre- – he's competitive, man. Like, I know, like I, I know it's tough sometimes to – you can't really, like, point a – put a finger on it. But, like, I watch him, I'm like, yeah, like, he's, he's got what it takes. He, he misses a couple tackles. But, like, we're not talking about a guy who's, like, soft and, it, you know, it doesn't really want to. So, I, when, whenever those guys brought him up, I was like, all right, well, this is the, this is the, the narrative on him. Like, what do you think about that? And mm-hmm. like – all I know is is that when I play against this guy in coverage, he's competing to shut me down every single time. He's in my hip pocket. He's trying to get the ball out late, like super, super competitive player. Uh, and I thought that that was really fun, kind of an anecdote uh, that, we got, that I got from a number of guys. And that wasn't just like SEC. There was, I talked with guys from Florida State. I talked with guys that face him in bowl games. Um, so it was, it was kind of an interesting nugget there uh, on C.J. Henderson. So a guy that... Is in that first certainly is in that first round mix. Uh, you know, we'll say in the middle middle of round one. Those are always the best questions, you know, because a lot of there's so many media types here. Okay, because so you many, have yes, because you have, you know, the pretty much the beat reports from every team here. Yep. You know, you have team outlets like us. Pretty much every team outlet is, is here covering them. Then you get to some of the colleges. Colleges are here. Are and then here. The, the national outlets. They got the draft sites. You got the blogs. You and get, I mean, there's everything. There's a lot you of people here. Everything. So you're trying to cut through some of the clutter because a lot of the players are asked things like, you know, 
what did you, what did you, it used to be, what did you weigh in at? What was your height weight? Right, that, yeah, that actually, that's a good one, that, that's a good point. That used to be, like, every question, and it's like, all right, well, that stuff's easily available. You can find that now. I wonder, I wonder if at some point, if they will make the who interviewed with who available, because I'm, like, 95% sure that all the teams know. So if all the teams know, like... Why what's can't the like the, yeah? Secret? What's the, there's no competitive secret. Like let's just let's just let everyone know. If only to let let you know let me not have to hear uh, beat reporters for every market ask, oh, did you meet with so and so? How did it go? Because if for every like one Jakai polite from last year where you get like that one answer where it was like, man, like of course you know, like, of course these guys are saying, yeah, it went really well. I you know I thought I thought you know I was impressed with Coach X and and uh, I'd be a great fit with Player Y and Z. Like. It drives me nuts, man. But it is what it is. The uh, that's a horror story right there when you go to Jakai Polite. Yes, of yes. course. And of course, every agent, every trainer that worked with these guys leading up to this was like, "Don't do that." that exactly. So of course, these guys are all ready for for that line of questioning. He, it was to go back. It was he was critical of the line of questioning yes. from one of the teams, and that it was like too harsh, too, too negative. harsh. Yes, exactly. That's, right. That that was kind of the beef and. The the reporters who were around him were like they like perked up when they heard it and like he's complaining about the questions from a team. Oh, it's like and blood in the water at that. That's point. exactly what it was. Yeah, so, game and, game over at that. And this point. was a guy who was considered late first round talent who dropped to the third round who didn't even make yeah, it I think with it was the team. Three three different teams uh, this year as a rookie. Yeah, as so. a rookie. Um, the other I would say one of the big changes from a media availability standpoint. Okay. Uh, head coaches and GMs. Again, in years past, that first day, they've always talked on this first day, but again, it would be spread out over the course of hours. Here, they cram these guys in, 15-minute uh, segments. I mean, 90% of the coaches and GMs that spoke, spoke within the first hour and a half, tops. So in the past, I've gone into those thinking like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll sit in on a bunch of guys. Like, I love listening to GMs from around the league just talk and kind of, you know, you get a couple interesting nuggets. But now it's like, man, like, of course, we didn't have this because Howie and Doug spoke a little bit later, so they were both mobbed. Howie and Doug were both mobbed. Not as bad as I thought, though. Yeah, I thought it, it was, would be a little bit worse. It was worse. actually really just the Philly contingent. Well, which... that's why I was like, oh, my God, like every national reporter is going to be there because, you know, even, like, beats from other teams are going to be there because they're the only guys talking. But at any given point, it was like, all right, I, I like listening to uh, Kevin Colbert from the Steelers and Thomas Dimitrov and Mike Mayock, and uh, all those guys are talking side by side by side, and it's like, well, I can't, I, I can't ask the line of questioning that I was planning on, but I did get a couple. I, I asked a, a couple guys um, about what I asked Howie about earlier, the uh, self-scouting, evaluate, you know, your own evaluations. I thought I got, I got some interesting answers, nothing okay. that I can, I can do a piece on, but uh, I talked with um, actually Dan Quinn about, uh, you know, he said he was, he was probably one of the more interesting ones was, you know, so what's like a, a lesson you've learned? And he said, you know, very early in my career. This is a coach from a coaching was, standpoint? Yeah, from a coaching okay. standpoint. And it was about, but it was about player evaluation and projecting okay. guys to the NFL. To the NFL. And he's like, you know, I was I was a very young coach when Dwight Freeney was coming out of Syracuse, and you know we, uh, you know we had coaches and I was in San Francisco at the time, and um, you know the coaches that we had, uh, you know they had arc, they had prototypes, you know for defensive linemen and what that position, that Leo position, we called it the elephant back then, what that looked like and what that felt like, and those guys were big, they were long, they were powerful, and he was like, you know, Dwight Freeney didn't didn't look like that, but he played like that, and he said so we. We kind of learned from that. You know, that was something where it's like, look, like, you don't want to have a team full of exceptions, but you you can make exceptions if the guy 
absolutely makes up for it in other ways, and he's so special. And so I kind of followed up, and I was like, look, I mean, you've got a couple of those guys you know, on your team. You've got Deion Jones. You've got Grady Jarrett. Did that go into play? And he was like, yeah. And then I was in Seattle. I was defense coordinator when we picked Russell Wilson. Like, he's another guy that kind of fits that mold. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting from a body type standpoint because, uh, again, trying to get into my transition here, some of these body – the measurements are starting to come in. And so I, I kind of jotted down some net measurements that I thought were interesting. But I thought – just putting a closing there, I thought that was a good little nugget there from Dan Quinn. So, and that's the thing is you have to be able to – learn to project yeah and you kind of have to go through some of those missed opportunities or those failures but the thing is there's one Dwight Dwight Freeney right uh, how many comps of players have there been to Dwight Freeney over the years who didn't pan who out didn't go yes so that's that's the challenge of it yeah I think that look the the body type stuff is important because um, I think I've talked about this in the past you know all teams like that's a way for them to eliminate players off the board because that's what honestly that's what they're doing right now is that uh, they they're going to start the season with two thousand uh, the back we're like a year ago now go back to May we're gonna have two thousand players there's a, a ton of players in the country that are going to the that are trying to go into the NFL so you're trying to narrow that from two thousand three thousand to 175, 225, 250, like 200. That's how many are going to be on their final board when you get to April. So you've got to do a lot of eliminating along the way. And so that's what the medical, the character, the football ability, the tape, all that stuff's going to eliminate. And so one way to help that is with these body types. And so uh, real quickly, just a couple, uh, some names that I wrote down as I'm going through some of these, uh, some of these uh, measurements that have come in. From, okay. um, really, it's been all offensive players so far. So every offensive player has gotten weighed and measured uh, so far in Indianapolis. So um, the big one that everybody was making a big thing about, Joe Burrow, nine-inch hands. Here's all I'm going to say about the hand size thing. <laughs> and this is how I feel about it. This is actually how I feel about all of these measurements. It's not an issue until it's an issue. You know what I mean? Like, uh, people say that about receivers, too. Oh, he's got small hands. Like, that could lead to drops. Like, well, if he didn't have drops in college with those same small hands, then I'm not worried about him having drops in the NFL with those small exactly. hands. Exactly. If Joe Burrow had issues throwing the ball in inclement weather and uh, you know didn't have good command of, of the ball when he had to drive it and like had fumbling issues and stuff like that, I would say okay, like that that that's a reason why he has he has those tiny hands. If but with the way that he played, the way that other guys have played with those smaller hands, there was an article on ESPN today that was really interesting that uh, really dove into and just kind of carved that whole narrative of small hands is bad. Really, uh, just really just I mean ripped it to shreds. Um, but I, no, I, I, to me, that's that's how I look at it. it. It's not a problem unless it's a problem. Like if it's a problem, then to me, like if if he had those issues, I'd feel very worried that he would ever be able to correct them because he would point to the hand size and say like, all right, well, he obviously can't overcome that. Um, but that's kind of how I feel about that. That's There's gotta be it, there has to be a point though where the size does become right an issue. Like that's, Kevin Kevin Davidson from Princeton has eight and a quarter inch, eight, eight and a quarter it was hands. I mean that's. Very, 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 very small. Like, very small. Um, anyway, uh, some of these other measurements here. Uh, Tua came in at just 217. He was, like, listed, listed like, 230. Keep in mind, he has not been working out at all. Yeah. So that's the, that, was, uh, that was the number I saw. I was like, ooh, that's lower than what he was listed. But keep in mind, that is why. So I wanted to make sure we threw that in there. And Bama's typically pretty good. Yes, with, with, the, with what with those measurements, are. No so. question. Like, Jerry Judy came in exactly how he was listed. Um, a couple of those guys, uh, you know, Alabama typically doesn't, they don't fudge those numbers yeah. uh, from a body type standpoint. Um, 
love getting confirmations on juniors because all we have are what we get from the school. So, you know, five nine, one you know, one ninety two, and you know, we go all we get is that. So, getting some official numbers is always great. So, just a couple of really interesting ones. KJ Hamler confirmed small. Okay, so uh, five, five under five nine, five zero eight five, uh, one seventy eight. Very small. Okay. Uh, but, but we expected. We knew that yeah. he was going to come in small. Uh, Jeff, Justin, there were some interesting ones here. Justin Jefferson, listed by LSU at 185, came in at 202. All right? Jalen Rieger, listed 195 by TCU, came in at 206, and I rocked up 206. Like, he really? looked good standing up there at the podium. Uh, I thought he handled himself really well. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, listed 62220. Okay. Came in 6005, so under 61, 222. Like, just rocked up, man. Like, the, so but, like, but almost cut, two cut, inches shorter. But though. cut the two inches shorter, yeah. But like, still but maintain just, that weight. Yeah. Like he's that's a big boy, man. Like, the, to me that goes back to like that Debo uh, Samuel comparison uh, in a big way. Donovan Peoples Jones by Michigan, uh, listed 190, came in at 212, 22 pound difference. Like. Um, so a bunch of those guys. Uh, were, were, these like, those were these like were these like the freshmen? No, year, number, like, I mean. Look, Unless I, I guess it's possible that there were numbers that I put, but I usually I'm trying, I'm pretty judicious about checking the bio whenever I go and watch yeah. the film of the guy. Uh, so I try and have updated numbers, but uh, so, no, I thought that those were some interesting updates there uh, from some of those receivers. Um, changes since the All Star games. Justin Herbert put on nine pounds since Mobile. Okay. Uh, Chase Claypool put on nine pounds since Mobile, uh, up over two thirty. So he answered some tight end questions today. I was going to say, uh, yeah. that's going back to the senior bowl, that was a big question. Why, why not? But all right. No question. Uh, so what, is he now open to being? He said, he was like, look, like no matter what well, I play, like, you know, hey, if I'm a receiver, like uh, I can still line up in the wing and do those things. So <laughs> the book is still out, I guess, as we wait for <laughs> Chase Claypool to make that decision. Uh, Darius Anderson, Jet Anderson from TCU, up 13 pounds since Mobile, 195 to 208. Eno Benjamin up 12 pounds from 195 to 207. Jeez. So uh, those guys put down some LBs, go back, man. We got to go back and listen to that podcast about the uh, combine. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, well, so like you got, you got those, they got those guys ready now. Uh, we'll see how quickly they ran to the bathroom after uh, after they weighed in, and you know, because we know that there's some of that that goes on. But um, no, they the, those guys certainly put on uh, some weight uh, since the All Star Circuit. And then uh, a couple other things really quickly. Brandon Ayuk came in 33 and a half inch arms for a guy that's under 5'11". Wow. I think Jim Nagy put out there was like that's equivalent to like a six eight wingspan. Like a guy who's six foot eight. Like so, yeah. right, uh, you're talking about a guy who's long. Like this guy's got pythons. Stefan Sullivan, Stefan Sullivan, Stefan Sullivan. Yep. Thirty-five and three-eighth inch long arms. Like, that's the longest arms of any tight end in the last decade drafted. Uh, I mean, that's like offensive, crazy offensive tackle. Jeez. Like, Makai Becton came in. Okay. Stupid big, by the way. Like, <laughs> uh, I think he was at like thirty-five and seven eighths, like three sixty-seven. Uh, he is a large, <laughs> large human being. Uh, and then the last one, uh, Henry Ruggs, 10 yep. and 1 eighth inch hands. This guy never drops the, drops the football. He's got some issues, I think, finding the ball downfield, like when he's got to track it over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall, like in terms of like fit, ball hits his hands, like it's, it's not, not going, going to the ground. It's not going to the ground. So uh, Ruggs, um, you know, that was, a, that was a big measurement for him for sure. So interesting. Well, as some of those come through every day, I'll, I'll make sure I kind yeah. of squeeze them into the segment and uh, we'll kind of talk through it. But uh, just some interesting numbers here over the first couple of days. That being said, uh, let's wrap the show up. It's time for a draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. 
as the uh, Indiana Convention Center falls apart around us, as you can hear the walls being taken down, and I don't know what they're setting up uh, across from us. But uh, so just a quick reminder, are they, yeah, are they expanding it? Well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on in front of us. We're like ten feet away. The walls like disappeared. It was up, and now it's down, but it's being built back up again. Um, Quick reminder, best way to support the show, go on to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Two people uh, did, have done so in the last few days. Tim Richard, 718, left a five-star review. Great comment, C-Mac. This okay. is great. Love the show. Just started listening this past season. I'm from Washington State, and I love being able to get all of the Eagles entertainment in these podcasts. You guys do an amazing job getting content to the fans and making us feel a little bit of a part of the team. It's incredible. No other team reaches their fans like the Eagles do. I love these shows, and this team can't get enough. So great I comment wonder, there. I wonder if he's a born and raised Eagles fan, or is he, did he come on with Andre Diller? It's a good question. If he, especially if he just started listening to the podcast in last year. Yeah, season, from Washington. So. That's a good point. That's a good call. Um, and then lastly, we have a question from Richard uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Left a five-star review. Uh, with so much that goes into the selection of players in the draft and free agency, do teams ever consider their divisional opponents in the selection process? As an example, do they, would they select a rangy linebacker with great coverage skills who can match up against a division rival's tight end? I think they certainly are aware of what their division rivals have. And, yep. and you know, I know how he likes to do this. He likes to study the Final Four teams yep. and how they're constructed every year. But it changes on such a year-to-year basis that you have to focus on building your team. You can't just say, we're going to get a, you know, cornerback just because we know we have to contend with all these different wide receivers in the division, per se. You want to get a corner because you want the best corner out there, period. It doesn't have to... I will say that I would I would venture to guess just from talking with people that three quarters of the G, maybe more I wouldn't I wouldn't shock me if all of them mm-hmm. have the depth charts of the of their division opponents up on their wall in their office. I think that especially when like a new GM gets hired and like you know if there's like a, uh, a you know a guy gets fired and you're brought in the team's not good they're at the bottom of the division they got. First thing you say, all right, the first thing we have to do is to win our division to get into the playoffs. To get where we want to go, we have to win our division. Um, I think that they are always aware, and, I, and it's actually funny. Uh, Mike Mack was talking about it a little bit today, um, you know, talking about positionless players. I asked uh, Howie a little bit of, uh, about that earlier as well, um, talking about positionless players and, you know, where the game's going and things like that. And he said, look, uh, this is Mike Mack now. Um, you see, look at the tight ends in our division. You know, and he's referring to Travis Kelsey. He's referring mm-hmm. to Hunter Henry. Uh, the the Denver Broncos Noah selected Fant. Noah Fant. Uh, obviously, he's got one uh, in Darren Waller yep. as well. But you see, you look at the tight ends in our division. Like they're big, they're long, and they can run. You know, defenses have to look and say, like, okay, who do we have that's big and long and can run with these guys if we're going to play man to man? I think you do kind of have to take that into account. And I think when you look at, uh, look, the Eagles and you know, people talk about Jim Schwartz and you know the, his infatuation with stopping the run. Yeah, yeah, you got Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and if Darius Geis can stay healthy, you got those guys on the game on the schedule six games a year. You better be able yeah. to stop the run. Like I think that that's a um, a big part of look. If you're going to win the division every year, you've got to be able to beat those teams. That's six year games. You you have to be able to win those games. So um, I w- I agree with you in that it's not going to be everything, but no. it's definitely it's definitely taken into account. I think to answer Richard's question, it's definitely brought in. It's just not going to de- it's not going to determine. Uh, decisions solely based off that. No. Yeah, going to your point. 
Um, yeah, so I think that uh, that was a good question there from uh, from Richard. Again, best way to support the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Again, really appreciate anybody that gets a chance to go on uh, to that survey, www.philadelphiaeagles.com slash journey survey. You can do it right here uh, on your phone on the podcast episode. You can go right into the show notes, uh, the show description. It should be there, the link to the show. I have been tweeting out pretty consistently as well, at FDuffy3, uh, at CMAC Eagles, mm-hmm. uh, at Ben Fennel under or at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Um, so you can go check out all of our Twitter pages, and we put the uh, the survey link out on there as well. That being said, uh, that'll do it. We've got another show here tomorrow. We're going to catch up uh, with we've got a big guest here coming up on the show. We're excited about that, uh, and we're going to kind of preview what we're going to see over the next few days. And then as drills begin Thursday night, we're going to have d- uh, episodes every day where we're kind of recapping what we saw. So hopefully, even if you're not listening every day, you can kind of binge everything at the end and really take in all of our takeaways uh, here from the Scouting Combine. That being said, that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. For Chris McPherson, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you tomorrow.